welcome to Fast Talk, your source for the science of endurance performance. I'm your host, Trevor Connor. I should note, not to confuse you, since we already had our goodbye episode with Chris Case, this recording was done well before he left. So I guess we lied a little. We have one more episode with Chris. When we talked with Dr. Steven Seiler for episode 200, the interview went much longer than we had time for in that episode. But a lot of good discussion ended up on the cutting room floor. We didn't want to deny you from hearing the rest of the conversation. So in this short bonus episode, we share with you what was cut. In the episode, we talked with Dr. Seiler about his current research, which focuses on some exciting new tools, his hesitant love of Twitter, the exciting research going on right now around breathing techniques, heart rate variability, and Dr. Seiler's current favorite beer. So put on your nerd hat and let's make you fast. Hi, I'm Dr. Steven Seiler. I gotta tell you, it's a thrill for me to have the opportunity to go in and see a whole collection of my lectures and webinars all in one place, free of charge for the members of Fast Talk and the broader sports science world. And not only me, but other sports scientists have collected their work and Fast Talk Laboratories is presenting it for all of you to use and learn from every day. Join at our free listener member level to see Dr. Seiler's lectures and webinars. Join now at fasttalklabs.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Fast Talk. I'm your host, Chris Case, and this is your source for the science of endurance performance. Trevor, in the studio here, behind the lights, behind the cameras, and all the way patched in from Norway, Dr. Seiler. Welcome to the program. Hi, good morning or good evening, depending on where you are. So it's a Friday evening there, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, appreciate you taking, uh, instead of grabbing a beer, taking the time to talk with us. Should have done both simultaneously. The beer's in the fridge, it's waiting <laughs> on me. <so> we're, <laughs> it's just delayed gratification. Nice. <laughs> so what's your beer of choice? Oh, right now I am, I've fallen in love with one called, what was that show, Pinky Blinder? But there's a beer from Sadler Brewery in UK, but it's Pinky Blinder Black IPA. Oh, wow. I love it, man. It's just, so I, I wouldn't normally be able to be so specific, but I have just fallen for that beer. It's a, it's a, just a regular beer, 4.7%, but nice and dark and just smooth. Mm. Uh, yeah, anyway. I've heard beer in Norway is very expensive. Is What's a six pack of this run you? Oh man! Well, this this is from the UK. And okay. It's an import. It's it, so it's extra expensive. So I don't <laughs> drink it. I, 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 I can't drink it very often. But I go to a store that has these exotic beers, and I might buy like three bottles, you know, mm. and then I take it. Yeah. So I'm just a kind of a one beer guy. I you know after a workout, just that one cold beer is mm -hmm. is enough. And and I and I've convinced myself from the research that it doesn't screw up my molecular signaling, you know? Yep. And so, so I've convinced myself that one beer is okay. And, and, uh, and so then I can, I can enjoy that. Nice. So, yeah. I, I just appreciate the fact that like me, you, you sound like you're a dark beer guy. Yeah. I, I, I've kind of tried to really reduce, you know, the types of alcohol. So it's just, for me, it's just beer or whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> so mostly beer, I keep it mostly simple. beer, I have to say, but 
every once in a while, I think whiskey's just got such a great story to it. You know, the every bottle of whiskey is years and years of of patience and and I can connect to that because that's kind of like training, you know, the process is important. So anyway, every once in a while I open up a bottle of whiskey and take have one drink. Nice. Nice. But I, I'm just a one drink wonder. I never get drunk. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on from alcohol and talk serious business here. <laughs> um, we we really wanted to hit you with one big question: What is it that Dr. Steven Seiler is working on in his, you know, the the different ways that you are approaching research these days, and what specifically are you working on? What are the questions? Yeah, so well, one question right now, and this one you'll appreciate, is because you wrote a book on uh, atrial fibrillation, right, with others, and I've had atrial fibrillation myself. And so, right before the pandemic, a company or a, a group came to me, uh, and they had developed a new type of sensor. Uh, it was actually from my own university, so I knew the people involved, and and they've developed a sensor for detecting arrhythmias, you know, replacing the bulky Holter monitor right. with all the leads and everything. Yep. And this is just a tiny little deal that sticks on the skin for days and days and it collects data, it goes to the cloud. There's algorithmic detection of arrhythmias, goes straight to the doctor. Man, this is a game changer. And it really is, it's really working beautifully. But then when they came to me, I said, wait a minute, this, you know, you shouldn't just use this on 65 year olds, you know, mm. sitting at home. This can change sports medicine. Right. Let's test it out. So, anyway, so that's one of the things that I'm working with is we've been first started with me just on a bicycle and then went to the laboratory looking at how it responded to movement. And then we had it, we're testing it on cyclists on a professional cycling team. We did that in December. So, we're kind of slowly moving and, and everything's looking good. So, I hope that that's going to result in providing sports uh, doctors with, and cardiologists with a much better tool for working with athletes that may be dealing with arrhythmias. Not you know, and, and of course, not just athletes, but mm -hmm. but that that sports medicine sector is one that I can hopefully contribute a little bit to. And then I'm, I'm as I alluded to in another some other discussions we had is this ventilation issue and and trying to. You know, I'm, I'm really interested in how workouts evolve, how different kinds of training sessions evolve, whether it's that four-hour ride that starts at low intensity and you get tired towards the end or the interval session or the race and how that relationship between the external workload and the internal workload changes. And we've developed some tools, analytical tools, but in that process, I realized that, well, you know, heart rate is just, it's good, but it's when you get really up in that upper realm of intensity and the really highly variable, the, you know, the interval, the short intervals and the hard races and all that, it doesn't tell us what's really going on. And, and so, you know, and I was seeing in myself, I said, well, you know, but ventilation, my breathing rate, when I'm when I'm really, really breathing hard, I'm near the limit. I'm, I'm near my end, even if heart rate's not saying it. Mm. And so yep. uh, I got interested in ventilation and then I discovered, well, you know, well, there's a guy, there, there's some people that are doing some really good work in this area, like Andrea Nicolo in, in Italy. And uh, so we connected and then I got uh, started working with a, a group that's uh, or a company that's got this wearable, you know, wearable technologies are developing for measuring ventilation in activity. And so I'm doing some work there and I will be doing more where we'll do, we'll be going back and forth between laboratory and then field settings to say, can we 
you know, can we get good data on ventilation and what's happening? And can that inform us more about day-to-day, you know, how's this athlete responding to the, to the training? When should we pull the plug on the workout? When, when is it enough, you know, so that we've created a good signal, we've pushed them hard enough, but we don't want to push them so hard that now we spoil their recovery for several days after. And so that's, that's that individualization and whether or not uh, ventilation should be part of that heads up display. So, so I'm, I'm working on that. And, and so both of those are technology driven kinds of questions and they are facilitated by digital tools, by miniaturization. And then of course, recruiting subjects down the road, that's another issue. And, and, and we're doing some work like around that that atrial fibrillation tool, we're also doing a big survey of, of health training and health characteristics. And so the crowdsourced, the social media that, that facilitates that. So it's, it's strange. Everything I've complained about, whether it's podcasts, which I did, you know, I said, what the hell is a podcast? And you guys <laughs> dragged me into podcasts. And here you are. Here you are. Yeah, it turned out that was a good thing. And Twitter, I once said, I will never tweet. Well, that was 8,000 tweets ago. Yep. And, uh, and, and Twitter is a really great uh, resource for me for getting connected to athletes and coaches and so forth. So pretty much if, if I hate it at first or think it's <laughs> stupid, then that's a, probably an indicator that it will end up being important in my mm, life or interesting, in my research. Interesting. So, so could I just say, I get an email every day from Twitter saying, here's all the tweets that you missed today. You have yeah. been number one on the list every single day. In, 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 the, email. in recent days or every uh, forever? <laughs> every email I get. First, it, first it tweet that you, you missed. It knows you. Here's here's yeah. Dr. Steven Seiler. <laughs> yeah, it's it's and and part of me wants to say it's ridiculous, but I really believe it's it's become a, a good tool for me to to test out ideas. I tweeted, you know, I'm putting together a presentation for tomorrow for the United States rowing, and I tweeted a little bit about that and got you know mostly positive, but a little bit of feedback that I said, hmm, okay, well, you know, do I need to say this differently? So it's just a constant. It's a it's a user forum or a or a, what do you call it? A focus group. Yeah, mm. but it's a focus group that numbers in the thousands <laughs> right now. Yep. And uh so that's the way I use it and and I just I hope I provide some useful information, but I also learn a great deal. Yeah. And it it's also kind of that extended conversation like what we do together, the podcast where we talk about research and we dig into it a bit more and try to understand what it means, you know, and 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 that's what I've come to really appreciate with uh, podcasts, especially when they are driven by people like you guys that know your stuff and you ask the good questions and and you 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 know challenge people like me. You know? mm-hmm. So so anyway, so and, yeah. and I don't want to. I'm not trying to float your boat there, Trevor, <laughs> but but. Uh, you know, well, I hit the hard. I give you the hard hitting questions. I, I got you about beer. What type of beer are you into? We need to know. <laughs> right, that. Right. Well, a budding journalist over here. Occasionally, you ask a good question. You know, I gotta, I gotta give you so far, not today. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, no, not yet. I, I, I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm going to attempt. I'm going to attempt a good question now. I want to go back to the breathing thing because we have a, a coach that works with us, Steve Neal, and he is really into the breathing. And I, I believe you've had conversations with him. I'm curious to know from your point of view is the ventilation 
aspect of training. Is that one of those things where certain number of coaches, maybe some athletes they work with are ahead of the science curve and they figured something out before science was able to confirm its benefit? Oh, I, I think that's very common. <laughs> so, <laughs> and this could well be one of those situations. And Steve Neal, yeah, we had a conversation and he's been using, he's been measuring ventilation for years in the laboratory because mm-hmm. he, he is a coach who actually invested in a metabolic cart and so forth. So obviously he, yeah, he's had some, you know, really good insights. The advantage I have is that maybe I can systematize some of those insights and test them out in a different way, in a structured way. And But he was definitely a bit of a, of a spark for me to say, well, let me look at this closer and try to figure out how to, you know, get at this. The problem with ventilation, if we just dig into the weeds a little bit, is that unlike or at least less so with heart rate, as soon as I start thinking about my breathing, I change it. Yes. Right? At least at low intensity. Now that once we get it to higher intensity realms, then that's less true. But if I'm just sitting there pedaling easy and I start thinking and say, I'm gonna count my breathing, it changes. You know, it's just you can't think about it without changing it. At least in my in my brain, my stupid brain, I end up slowing my breathing down, breathing a bit deeper as soon as I get very aware of my breathing. So that's one of the reasons why I found that if I did my own counting, I, I was getting these, these low breathing rates. But when I put on the shirt, a wearable and just stop thinking about it, then I was getting different data. Mm. And another interesting thing was, is that I, I've done, you guys know probably that nose only breathing, you know, mouth closed breathing is sure. kind of popular yep. and yep. used as a tool by some, They you know, to, as a surrogate for keeping intensity low and so forth. But the reality is, is that you you can get pretty good at nose breathing. And actually a lot of people are able to breathe at pretty darn high intensities. They're able to produce pretty high powers above threshold while just breathing through their nose. And I've got, you know, I'm genetically gifted in that regard. So because of this big nose, so I've been playing with that. But as soon as I'm I'm out uh, nose breathe, my breathing frequency changes, my tidal volume goes up. So, you know, the wearable technologies are helping to me to understand some stuff because it keeps me from, I, I can forget about it and then let's see what happens. And so I don't know where that will all end. And, and I don't know what form that technology will take in the end, whether it'll be a shirt or a vest or something much smaller. You know, I think that's going to evolve. But I, I'm just, I have no doubt that it's something we can move into the field in a, in a nice way. Tis the season for spring knee. As March sunshine and early spring weather inspires us to ramp up our riding mileage, our knees don't always keep up. If you've got knee pain, we have the solution for you. Fast Talk Lab members can follow our new knee health pathway, featuring our new director of sports medicine, Dr. Andy Pruitt. See the introduction to the knee health pathway at fasttalklabs.com. So question I have for you, because I love when you have something in exercise physiology where there's a, a pretty commonly held belief that most researchers, most scientists feel, yeah, this, this is the way it is. And then as new research comes out, that gets challenged and we go, well, it's actually a lot more complex than that. So in ventilation, there is the, the pretty commonly held belief that it's actually exhalation 
that drives ventilation, not the need to, to breathe in. Based on what you've been doing so far, do you think this is going to be one of those things where you're going to turn around and say, actually, it's not that simple? Yeah. In terms of ventilatory control already, Nicolo has shown with some research that just like in the heart where you have stroke volume and heart rate as frequency, that those those are the two modes of change for the heart, stroke volume times heart rate. Mm-hmm. And at very low intensity, stroke volume goes up a bit and then it stabilizes and heart rate is responsible for most of the increase thereafter. Well, what we're finding, what Nicolo has shown with ventilation is, is that the control of tidal volume and the control of, of breathing frequency are different. They're controlled apparently in a different ways in the brain and breathing frequency really tracks quite beautifully with perceived exertion. I mean, just tight. And and, right. and you can create scenarios where heart rate doesn't do that. You know, like, for example, these, these very popular workouts like 3015s and 3030s and 4020s. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Mm-hmm. Heart rate will kind of come up and initially it'll show a sawtooth pattern and it almost kind of flattens, evens out. And then it just basically represents the kind of the average oxygen demand, right? So it, it just stabilizes. But ventilation, the breathing frequency keeps going up because, and it's, at least when I've done these workouts, I was like, yep, that's how it feels. It feels like it's getting damn hard. You know, it's harder and harder as I go. It doesn't feel like it should be flattening out, but heart rate's flattening out and breathing frequency is going up, 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 up. And when I'm redlining, when I'm finished, my breathing frequency is, is at about 75 breaths per minute. And so I'm starting to, one of the things we're going to be looking at is do people, you know, can we say you've got a maximum breathing frequency you know, in a functional way, meaning under a functional situation that people have different individual maximum breathing frequencies and they have a resting breathing frequency, which is pretty, pretty much the same for everybody, 12 to 16. So, you know, maybe we can use a Carvonin formula type of approach and, and say, what percentage of your maximum breathing frequency are you at? And then we start to look at and create an intensity zone approach using breathing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. So anyway, I, that's at least one of the things we're going to be playing with, testing in the coming months and a couple of years. I think I, I've already got master's students that want to do this work with me and, and uh, you know, cycling at teams and so forth. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, and, and I'm going to have to have help. I, I'm already, you know, I've got to recruit people like, you know, Andrea Nicolo and others that really know the, the ventilation uh, physiology and, and, and neurophysiology well, and, and so we'll work together on it. So any other research that you're working on? I know you were doing a, what sounds like a, a smaller, almost crowdsource study. Heart rate variability. I, I, I published a paper years ago looking at the short-term recovery after different intensity sessions, low intensity, long, you know, hour, two hour runs, threshold workouts, interval workouts, we showed how heart rate variability is delayed. The recovery of HRV, the the recovery of that parasympathetic component is markedly delayed once you go up into your threshold and above. And uh, uh, Marco Altini, he, you know, he, he and I, now we're saying, I think we can do this study kind of again in a big way, in a crowdsourced way using the combination of, of access to lots of people and these, you know, the HRV4 training app, which is validated and so forth. And, and, and so we can look at acute HRV recovery as a function of what was the prior work, what was the prior training, and does it 
because my basic thinking has been that when we, one of the reasons we do a lot of low intensity training is just to keep below that so-called stress radar, you know, to yep. generate signal at very low stress, you know, and, and, and keeping the intensity low, as long as you don't go too long, then that seems to be an approach, but we can quantify it at least through the window of heart rate variability with a, with a, a crowdsource study. So, we were just exchanging mail today on that issue, or, or maybe it was yesterday. The days blend together for me, but but uh, we're gonna we're gonna pursue that. Fantastic. Well, we, I wish we had more time, Doctor Seiler. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us on Fast Talk. Thanks for revealing some of the exciting research you're uh, you're undertaking right now. Yeah, thanks, guys, and and uh, you know I'll come back and we'll hopefully at some point have some results to talk about. Absolutely, thank you. Fantastic. Meantime, go crack open that uh, good cold beer. <laughs> I will. You guys have delayed my gratification, so it's about time. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> have a good weekend. All right, you too. You too. Take care. That was another episode of Fast Talk. Subscribe to Fast Talk wherever you prefer to find your favorite podcasts. Be sure to leave us a rating and a review. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Fast Talk are those of the individual. As always, we love your feedback. Join the conversation at forums.fasttalklabs.com to discuss each and every episode. Become a member of Fast Talk Laboratories at fasttalklabs.com slash join and become a part of our education and coaching community. For Dr. Steven Seiler and Chris Case, I'm Trevor Connor. Thanks for listening. <laughs>